Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this morning? Well, it's, uh, I don't have anything witty or anything. It's been a, it was a rough, rough week at uh, Freedom Central uh, this week, Mike. So um, uh, I'm, I'm just happy to uh, be here. Uh, we're, we're recording early, if that I just, people may sense that from our voices. <laughs> I just got out of my jammies. Yeah, absolutely. So it definitely. But, uh, but yeah, and also I should point out that we are going to do something a little bit different this week. Normally I do the uh, introductions that uh, lead us into the stories, but uh, I had a bit of a rough week. And so Jay is going to be taking that role. And we do have a bunch of things to talk about, actually, that uh, updates on the special master and uh, a big lawsuit again. Donald Trump. I think this is number eight. I don't know. It's hard to keep track. But uh, the uh, Electoral Count Act, some movement on that. And of course, this week at Russia and Ukraine, some very disturbing developments there. And even more lawsuits, this time against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And we will start off with all that in just one second. Okay, Jay. Okay, our- so sorry about oh. that. <laughs> this is. Yes, you are. Go ahead. This, this this is this is our yeah, but folks. This is a rough morning uh, show. This is <laughs> uh, first story uh, is uh, the Eleventh Circuit, a, a three uh, three member panel of the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals uh, uh, overturned, uh, or, or should I say, um, uh, ruled against a, a stay uh, granted by the district court judge. Uh, uh, Eileen Cannon uh, in the Trump special master case. Uh, what this meant was the the uh, government had applied for a uh, limited appeal uh, in order to remove the stay as to its continuing investigation and examination of 100 or so classified documents that had been seized from uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Um, the court, in a, a 29-page opinion, uh, came down uh, against uh, Trump saying, uh, listen, this is a uh, Trump essentially lacks standing to bring uh, his claim of uh, demanding a special master, particularly as to these documents. Uh, they were uh, classified documents and therefore wouldn't uh, be, be subject to attorney client privilege uh, and would be 
property of the United States uh, rather than Donald Trump himself, which would alleviate some of the concerns that uh, Judge Cannon had pointed out in her opinion, granted reasons for granting a special master. Uh, so that's that's what we've got. And in the other piece of this we'll move into, Mike, is uh, things aren't going great for Trump with the special master either. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess we'll start with with what are your and, and I, I the other thing I should point out, um, uh, two of the judge judges uh, on this three judge panel were Trump appointees. Uh, so um, uh, he he uh, he can't win even with this. <laughs> again, this is and this is not and this is not the first time, uh, obviously, that uh, Trump appointed judges have ruled against Donald Trump personally. Um, but Mike, your thoughts. Well, it, you know, it seems to me that what the uh, 11th Circuit was saying is that, hey, there, we have a test here uh, called the Ritchie test. And Judge Cannon basically just screwed it up. Uh, you know, there's a kind of go into the, just really the, the basics is that this Ritchie test is this four part test as to essentially, in this case, whether or not she should have acted in the way she did to appoint a special master. And uh, the, the first part of it is whether the uh, whether the person uh, can show that the government showed a callous disregard for his rights. And even Judge Cannon said no. And what the appeals court said is, hey, this is an indispensable factor. And right right now, basically, based on this, we can just stop here. But they say for the sake of completeness, we'll look at these other factors. And oh, by the way, she messes up some of these as well. And so, I mean, I mean, it was a it was well, a- as as to as to the hundred documents, though. Yeah, as to exactly as to yeah. the hundred, but yeah. even so, and I think this is important: is if you if you can make this case that if if the Eleventh Circuit is right, is that this first part of the test about callous disregard for rights is the indispensable part, and without that, the other three don't matter. Then this would actually potentially apply to all of these documents, and so uh, I mean the the government correct, correct, yeah. And so the government focused yeah. on these 100 because they, they thought this was the just the slammiest of slam dunks. Uh, but yeah. it, you could apply the logic of the 11th Circuit and say, well, if this reasoning holds, then they would be likely to win on appeal for all of this. Although I don't know that that really, from a practical matter, makes a lot of sense. They were focused on, you know, these these documents that are really right central. to some extent there's they probably wouldn't care about the other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I guess I'm curious. This is it seemed to me uh, from my non-attorney sense that this was a pretty big said uh, repudiation of Judge Cannon's uh, logic, reasoning. Just basically, it seemed to me that they were saying you got this just so completely wrong. It's pretty, pretty impressive and it's pretty big judicial overreach. And I wanted to get your take on that. So I didn't read it as as quite the smackdown that, that you did um you know judges get reversed and and that happens um but i i didn't read it as this this big repudiation um i i did find i mean to me the, the more compelling piece is the the standing part of this and and uh in order to seek there are some there are some technicalities about whether trump has filed what's called a uh 41 uh motion um, uh, or he's going to, and, and the, the record was kind of unclear, I think sort of intentionally unclear by, by Trump's lawyers on that about what exactly they were doing. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I don't think that, um, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, I don't view it as this complete smackdown. Um, and also, as I pointed out 
Judge Cannon's job is to create and preserve a record for the Court of Appeals to make a decision. Um, Let me ask you this, because, I mean, when I read the court, the the circuit saying uh, the the court, uh, in this case, Judge Cannon, uh, abused abused their discretion. I mean, to me, that sounds that sounds pretty, pretty stark, essentially. It's not like it was a close call or anything. And that was the exact language of of their ruling on this. And so, I, I mean, isn't that just basically just saying like, wow, you got it really wrong. Um, yes and no. Okay. Um, yes, in terms of, of the, the, yes, you got it really wrong. Um, but abuse of discretion is the, the standard. That's the test that um, uh, the appellate court is tasked at and applying to uh, Judge, uh, Judge Cannon's decision. So, you know, in, in, in some cases, if it's a matter of law, uh, the case goes up de novo. Uh, which means the Court of Appeals is taking a fresh look at it uh, as if it's it's before them for the first time. Um, if it's other other things, these are typically evidentiary issues, uh, how you run the trial, uh, and things like special master. Uh, the way the way it works is the trial court is is given discretion to do that, and then the question on appeal is: Did the trial court abuse their discretion? Um, now that said, abuse of discretion is a a, a very high standard. You, you get, you get a lot of discretion <laughs> yeah. um, before, before you wander into abuse. Um, but I, I think I, maybe it's just a matter of, um, uh, I see the uh, words abuse, abuse of discretion every day, Mike. <laughs> right. um, you know, so I think maybe sure. I'm, I'm, it, it comes across harsher sure. to you than it does to me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't read that as a, um, uh, put down, uh, man, you really abused your discretion. Uh, I read it as this is the standard that we're supposed to apply. And, you know, you didn't meet that standard. Um, no, yeah, that said, abuse of discretion is, is a pretty, um, I don't have the words right in front of me, uh, right now, but, um, it is, as you say, um, sort of, sort of a really, you gotta, you, you, there's, there, you, yeah. you got a wide strike zone uh, yeah. before you abuse your discretion. And, you know, um, and, and that's, and quite honestly, that's where I would disagree with the court of appeals. Um, because I don't think it's, it, it's an abuse of discretion. Uh, I think this was, I mean, you can, you can argue right or wrong. Right. And there, there are plenty of cases that you know, come up on abuse of discretion and the trial and the appeals court will say something like, Hey, look, if it was us deciding this, we probably would have gone the other way. But it was within the judge's discretion to do this. Um, that's how how I think I might have come out on that because I don't. I think there were other factors that um, uh, equitable factors that that the appeals court didn't well, really dive into. Well, well let me ask you uh, this: that then. perhaps they should have. Let me, let me ask you this then. So it seems to me that you're suggesting that the appeals court got the interpretation of the Ritchie test wrong, basically, because, again, their view is that, hey, if there's not this, you know, this blatant, callous disregard for constitutional rights, then we can't just go ahead and say there's got to be a a special master. You have to return this stuff that was legally obtained through a search to the to the person who's asking for it back. And by the way, of course, with these documents, uh, even, you know, Donald Trump isn't asking for them back, but that's a whole other story. And so it seems right, to me yeah. you're, you're saying that the, the appeals court got is misinterpreting this test, essentially. I, I would would fall on the line of the Ritchie test is a uh, four factor test and not a 
uh, each factor is indispensable. Well, yeah, and there's and only guess, one factor that's indispensable. They said just that right. first. Well, that's, one. but that's yeah, that's according yeah the, the, the court here, and I'm right. not. Um, I I would have to do some some digging uh, to do some more research to get to that point as to whether that uh, that is always indispensable or or not. Um, look, they're the court of appeals, and I'm 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 sure they they did the digging and did some research into it. Uh, likewise, I, I, I would imagine that judge Cannon did as well. So, um, that's, that's kind of a question I'm not, uh, sure. I, I can't give you a firm answer on. Um, well, but I, I, so that, that's, that's my, my, my issue is, uh, and in any case, it's, if it's a discretionary call, uh, I would have given the trial judge, the, the wider strike zone, um, uh, simply because, um, uh, one, it's it's when you're talking about privilege issues, it's it's you know, again bells that can't be unrung, um, uh, and and the, the the national importance of this, uh, and, and I think the the real importance that whatever happens uh, is perceived to be uh, fair and above board. Right, and this goes back to you know there, there were some folks uh, on the, the Facebook uh, our Facebook group last week suggesting that you know you are taking this position because just like Judge Cannon, you are essentially you know a uh, spineless sycophant for Donald Trump right. and Trumpism. And Donald Trump never appointed me to anything. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, well, you're you're hoping you know in the next administration, yeah. but but I I just I think it'd be useful for you to kind of uh, talk about you know, not how you think potentially you can see Judge Cannon's actions and, and, and your reaction, actually, uh, not in terms of, well, you're trying to make a ruling that's more favorable to Donald Trump. Yeah, this is not about, yeah, Team Trump or or not Team Trump. Um, Alan Dershowitz, uh, of all people, uh, had a really good op-ed uh, a couple of days ago in the Wall Street Journal on this, um, where where he actually came out saying, you know, Judge Cannon did the right thing. Uh, and this is Alan Dershowitz, who, who is not uh, a man of the right uh, by any means. Um, and he sort of made the same uh, argument that I made, uh, but more eloquently. And that is the federal government has vast and awesome powers. And when it, it those powers are subject to abuse. Uh, they have been abused many times in the past, and one of the, the biggest abuses, one of the biggest abuses that our, our framers uh, feared uh, that that has been uh, an abuse that that we have bridled out across the uh, across the world, is the use of the criminal justice system to achieve political means, uh, to shut down your political enemies, to lock them up, um, and I think that's 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 a big problem, and that's one of the chief injustices uh, that, that our Constitution was set up to guard against. I mean, if you look at the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, um, the Eighth Amendment, uh, I mean, that's that's a, that's 40% of your, your First Amendments. Um, uh, you know, they're all geared towards protection uh, of, of people from the, the federal police, essentially. Um, uh, and again, remember when it was, it was ratified, it was applied only to the federal government. Um, and, and to me, that that is a a big issue because for, for look, the people who framed this, they were they were really they were really concerned about getting charged with treason and and drawn and quartered uh, for disagreeing with the king. Um, so, to, to me, that that is a a tremendous principle that you need to defend, and it doesn't matter who the defendant is. 
um, Donald Trump, uh, let's stipulate, is a horrible person. Um, but it's exactly horrible people who need those that defense um, because, uh, you know, people who are popular exposing or espousing popular views uh, are, don't tend to be the subject of, of a you know, sure, prosecution. I, I, and and that's, that's not. And, and again, I'm not saying that's not to say the criminal prosecution isn't warranted. Um, uh, or that he might not be guilty or might not be, you know, should be convicted in, in the end. Um, but what I'm saying is when you have those factors, when you're looking at uh, the government uh, prosecuting a major political figure, um, I would err on the side of more caution, moving more slowly uh, to ensure that all the safeguards are present, one, to protect the, the defendant um, against government overreach, and two, to assure the public uh, that this is not uh, a banana republic, um, and I think that's you know that's why I think if you, if you if there is a lull in the prosecu- in the you know moving forward with the prosecution, um, I, I don't see that as big a problem as the government did. And the, the appeals court sort of pointed and say, well, the government has a really compelling interest uh, in continuing this investigation, and that's again that's where I sort of. Uh, well, I uh, disagree, uh, me, even with those two Trump appointees. Let me just say, it seems that you're a lot more comfortable with judicial activism uh, in this particular instance than typically you are, because I, I understand saying, well, in close calls, maybe airing on the side for the reasons that you, you discuss. And I agree with you there. But it's one thing to say, well, let's have a generous strike zone. It's another thing to say, well, just throw the ball wherever you want. You know, as long as it doesn't hit the backstop, we're going to call it a strike because you're a really good pitcher and, you know, the, the batter's a lot smaller. So, and it seems to me you can make the argument that, that just like, the, you know, the appeals court said, it's like, hey, traditionally, we defer to the government when it comes to national security classified documents. And I think people could hear what you're saying and say, well, you know, Donald Trump, because he was Donald Trump and because the government is corrupt, he should get a pass, basically. And unless unless it's like that's, totally, not, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, OK, because people should. are going to hear that, I think. And well, I, I, yeah, people will always hear. What, well, I'm hearing what a little hear bit of that. Actually, what I, say. I guess I'm trying to find limiting principles here. And it sounds to me like what you're saying almost is that if there's any way possible to err on the side of Donald Trump here, that's what you should do. And I, I don't know. I feel really uncomfortable with that, especially that the person doing the airing would be a federal judge appointed by Donald Trump. You talk about legitimacy and, and you know, concerns of the public that this is a fair process. I think people can legitimately say, well, wait a second. This person that Donald Trump appointed after he lost the election makes this kind of hinky sounding ruling that gets uh, maybe my, 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 my viewing smacked down by the appeals court. That smells a little bit off. Well, I would start with the where we are here about what Judge Cannon, uh, the, the, the suit that was brought before her. Mm-hmm. And that was, I would like a special master appointed to review these documents before they're handed over to the government to screen for privilege. They already had been, of right. course. I mean, they had been and they'd well, been screened. They already, had, been, so, they had yeah. been screened for privilege by the government. Yeah. And there's evidence, uh, as, as Judge Cannon, as the Trump lawyers pointed out and Judge Cannon pointed out in her opinion, that piece, some pieces uh, uh, of that screen were, were ineffective in that there were some documents that should have been screened out for privilege that did end up with the investigative team. So, and, and the, the appeals court notes that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so look, if, if you're saying yes, this is a this is a big deal. It's the first time ever we've had uh, the federal government uh, raid the home of a former president in seeking to prosecute a former president, uh, indict and prosecute. Because that, let's let's be clear, that's what's happening. It's not an investigation. They're going to indict him. They're going to prosecute him. Um, oh, wait a second. No so you, you know, well, they may they they. I think you're jumping the gun. But go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, yeah. I disagree with you on that. Um, so uh, if, 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 at this point, uh, let's put it this way: if you're if you're Trump's lawyers, you, that is your that is your assumption. Sure. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, people don't execute search warrants on on uh, other other uh, citizens just to say ah, we're just kind of looking around. We're just you know um, they do it because they have sworn in court that they believe there's probable cause that a crime has been committed. Uh, by the person they're searching. But in this so, case, Jay, I mean, in this case, if because Donald Trump is, you know, in the unusual position of being the uh, former president who had access to documents of the highest classification, yeah. the, the yeah. only crime might just be that, hey, there are these things that are really sensitive and we want them back. And so you can yeah. envision a scenario in which the government says, well, OK, we have to get these back. We've been, in the words of former Attorney General Bill Barr, we've been jerked around for a year. These are important documents and we're going to execute this warrant to, to get them back. And if there's more you know, on top of that, okay, but we don't necessarily know that there's more. And I'm, I'm a little more. I understand where if I'm one of Donald Trump's attorneys, poor bastard. Uh, you know, I, I certainly want to have to work under that assumption. But I think the government might find that there's there may be more, but it may be more along the lines of well, stuff we think we know, but we can't really prove in court, and so we're not going to go ahead. So I think in that sense, I'm a lot less certain that the government felt well, we're doing this because we are intending to indict and prosecute him. Whereas I think it's more likely a case of we're doing this because hey, we have these, he has these documents, and we need to get them back, and if this leads to uh, enough information to indict and prosecute, certainly will do that, but that's not necessarily uh, a foregone conclusion. I, I, I think it is a foregone conclusion. Um, you, you don't think they're going to indict? Well, I'm, I'm saying, I guess, foregone conclusion to me suggests that, hey, you know what, we're going to indict. We don't care what the evidence is, but uh, and I, I'm hoping you're not saying that, that the government has just decided that they are going to indict uh, Donald Trump no matter what. Basically, we don't care about the evidence. I mean, I, are you saying that? Um, I'm, I'm saying that the government will do whatever it can to come up with evidence wow. uh, on which it can, it can indict Donald Trump. So that's a and witch I think I've got a, a, Okay. I mean, so you're, you're saying, well, as, as, as he's been saying, yeah. Wow. Uh, and I think there's evidence for that. I mean, wow. uh, would, you know, would you say would, would the government, uh, uh falsify uh, an intelligence report and, uh, lie to a secret court in order to get a warrant to spy on, on Donald Trump? I would say well, that, yeah, I would say that they did. I would say that there are individuals in the government who absolutely do that all the time, whether it's Donald Trump or I mean, you know, I'm sure there are certain individuals who do that all the time. But, yeah, there are absolutely there are cases like that. But the, the larger argument saying that there is some sort of large scale, full fledged government conspiracy to convict or to indict donald trump it's, it's not a it's not a it's not a cons, it's not a conspiracy it's well, sure it is they're just they're just we're the justice department we we're gonna we're gonna convict this guy I we're mean, gonna not, convict them not, uh, i mean well i mean so oh, I, I, wow I, I mean it just 
I originally thought that we were going to, you know, you were going to suggest how you were not really kind of into that kind of conspiracy Trumpist sort of camp. I think you've just plopped yourself firmly into the middle of it, because from what you've just said, it's like, hey, the government doesn't care what the evidence is. They're going to do whatever they can, and they're going to go ahead and, and railroad this guy, even if he's a horrible guy, because he's a political opponent. That's what it sounds like no, no, to no. me. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the government uh, would do so without the evidence. I think they could come up with evidence. I think like they probably have come up with evidence. When you say come up right? with the evidence, do you mean find evidence or do you mean I mean find, find it find it in boxes at Mar-a-Lago. Okay. Yeah. So you're not saying like find yeah. in the way of like when Donald Trump said that in Georgia, no, hey, I'm just not, find I'm the not, votes. I'm not suggesting okay. that the government has falsified evidence okay. in this case, although I am going I am suggesting and uh saying that the government has falsified evidence to get warrants in the past. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, regarding specifically regarding Donald Trump. Yeah, and that's something that Trump's attorney. But they don't do that anymore. Um, well, no, I'm, anyway. I'm not saying that. That's so of course that's always something that you know that Trump's attorneys can raise as a question if they have evidence of it. And in fact, they have attempted sure. to do that. The, the right? special master has asked that. Yeah. yeah, and the special master has said, "Well, wait a second. Um, you need to actually show some evidence of that. You just can't make wild claims about stuff uh, being create. You know, being uh, created basically about stuff being planted and." And uh, to this point, Trump's attorneys, this kind of reminds me of the uh, election dispute after 2020, saying evidence. Uh, can't we just say this and have you accept yeah. it? Basically, Because it seems to me that the crux of Trump's defense here is, is uh, basically not fair. They're out to get me. So therefore, everything they do is, you know, bad and wrong that involves me. I, and it's, it's not a great legal defense, yeah. but it certainly may be a better. No, it's, no, it's not. It's, it's not at all. Yeah. Um, and and what I'm suggesting is Trump well could be guilty of of committing crimes. Um, it could be that that he ought to be indicted uh, for committing crimes. It okay. could be he ought to be prosecuted and and locked up even for for committing these crimes. What I'm suggesting is uh, when you have a situation like you have here, where the government has cheated, falsified. Um, had, you've had senior FBI officials talking about the plan B, right, in case he gets elected to, to, to derail him. You have, you have actual, firm, uncontrovertible, documentary evidence that, that they took steps well outside of, of what they were allowed to do, well outside of what the normal course was, was to, in order to get Donald Trump. Um, there is, before the public, evidence uh, that the FBI has also taken unusual steps to not uh, prosecute folks uh, in the Democratic Party or related to the Democratic Party. Oh, wait, um, hold on. That, now, that, you know, this is the kind of thing where I have to I have to stop you because uh, this is an instance where people are going to say, wait a second. Now, that sounds like a pretty wild claim. And to be fair, sure. I, I, I wasn't prepared for this. And are you talking about who are you talking about, actually, here? So we need to. Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Uh, OK, now, I think that's I think that's completely inaccurate. In fact, I think you can make the opposite okay. case. Also, that well, I think you can make the opposite case that in fact it was the FBI announcing 
uh, in, investigation or the yeah, investigation about Hillary Clinton that cost her the presidency in the first place. And secondly, oh, I, I would say you're conflating these two things, uh, I think, is completely inappropriate. No, and no, no. So you, now, you, now you, if you're, you, hold you, on, if you're, on, if you're no, talking about this, if you're talking about this as a matter of public, public perception, uh, at yes. least especially on the right, that's one thing. But what I'm saying is that as a matter of fact, as a matter of law, these are two very, very different circumstances. And so I want to make that distinction very, very clear before we move on. So let's let's say we get a question from a, a, a an astute listener who comes up and says, Mike, can you tell me why Hillary Clinton wasn't prosecuted uh, for for uh, mishandling uh, government documents that Donald Trump is? Well, he hasn't What's been prosecuted. Well, number one, Donald Trump hasn't been prosecuted yet. There's just like within with the Clinton situation. There's an investigation. Number one. Number two, we have, I, I think, the, uh, in terms of the evidence, there, is, uh, there are differences, big differences. And I, I would say that my— what, what are those differences? Well, you know, you put me on the spot, and I have to go back know, and right, look that's, at that's the— maybe, That's uh, not fair. But, but I would say my, my, uh, my default position is that, well, if somebody is not prosecuted— it is because there isn't the evidence to prosecute them because prosecutors uh, love big cases, love high profile career making cases. And so I'm going to start from the default assumption that the reason why somebody isn't being indicted is because there isn't the evidence to indict them as opposed to, you know, these bizarre fever swamp of the right sort of sure. conspiracy theories that, well, they're not. And indicted do you, do you think, do you think prosecuting of, Hillary Clinton would make someone's career? Good Lord. Absolutely. In the FBI? Absolutely. Oh, boy. Absolutely. I mean. So let me just let me. But what I'm what I'm trying to get at. All right. And and again, it's a weird thing of any time I say, hey, civil liberties, uh, Fourth Amendment and and due process. Everybody's, you know, oh, my God, you're defending Trump. And this is a fever swamp. This is a conspiracy. No, what I'm saying is there is a perception in the American public. It's a very, very strong perception. It's not based on, and it's it's not a QAnon conspiracy. It is, it, it is people heard um, um, Robert Mueller get up and say, or um, uh, James Comey get up and say, uh, listen, no reasonable prosecutor would bring this kind of case. Now, the FBI has never made those statements before, right? It's never come out of the FBI before. It's always come out of the prosecutor. Um, that, that with, there was, a, you know, the meeting the week before where the sitting attorney general met with the uh, former president and husband of, of the uh, subject of the investigation, uh, hold, held up a airplane on a tarmac. Or, I'm sorry, no, it wasn't. It was uh, President Obama to, to uh, share photos of grandchildren and all that. That perception is is out there. There is there is the Hunter Biden laptop uh, where um, the you know the the media uh, squelched the story, saying, "Well, it can't be confirmed, can't be confirmed, can't be confirmed." The FBI had it all along. The FBI, a member, part of the FBI, went along with the story of, "Well, this is Russian disinformation," even when they knew it wasn't true. Now, you can argue if you want to say, "Well, that's not exactly how it happened. That's not the facts. That's you know they 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 were supposed to keep quiet." Sure, but there is a tremendous perception in the country that there are two standards of justice depending on what party you belong to. And my point is Donald Trump may be guilty as hell, but if you want to have 
a a country that does not start devolving into the banana republic you need to follow every every single bit by the book it needs to be joe friday and Roscoe, not uh roscoe coltrane um running the investigation and and my argument and this is the same argument that dershowitz made is that uh look there is there is very little to be gained from the government's prosecution prosecutorial angle, at least as far as we can tell, right? That they need this stuff right away. Um, but I think there is a lot to be lost uh, if if the the narrative that this is a witch hunt um, and that you know they're they're skipping steps, that they're they're uh, not not uh, giving him uh, the rights that the he ought to have. I, 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 see um, I think that's that's a big problem. I see what you're saying, and, and I, I agree in principle with, with all of it. But I would say a couple of points. Number one, this isn't the belief in America in general. It's particularly a belief in uh, a certain part of America. And let's let's be clear, in conservative, conservative America, right? So there are, you know, there are more than half the country doesn't necessarily believe that. And I just want to make sure we make that distinction clear. But, yeah, I mean, you're certainly right. That uh, you don't want to. I mean, there are people who are very invested, uh, starting with Donald Trump himself, in saying that there is this is the greatest witch hunt in American history. And definitely you don't want to do anything that would that would make it easier to make that argument. And so in that sense, I, I do agree with you. And, and last, and I'm going to throw this out. I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago. The, according to the, the New York Times. They they report that uh, uh, President Biden has, in in personal conversations, said he absolutely wants to see Trump indicted. Now you can dispute the reporting, all right? But look, this isn't um, this isn't the Federalist. This isn't Breitbart. This is the New York Times. That is but saying I this. think if you take a look at the context and, of those quotes, even I mean, you said it's not on the he record. Wanted him, but you know, he wanted I, him prosecuted for January sixth, right? And and I think that's that's I mean. That doesn't seem bizarre to me. I mean, certainly if I would hope that any president would say, hey, if there's somebody who is guilty of crimes, we want them to have a. No, no, oh, oh, no, no, no. I, but but, it's, there, but there's a the difference between saying if there's someone guilty of crimes, I want to see them prosecuted. Uh, and I would like to see this guy prosecuted. Well, but OK, so number one. We're we're talking about something that's not a public statement of the president that's from sources and so i i guess it I'm, goes to perception and this is this is again this is not out of the right-wing media fever, fever swamps this is from the new york i Times. guess i guess what would you have him say if he believes that the former president is guilty of various crimes and if he's not speaking on the record he's saying to somebody you know in, in the white house saying like yeah i think you know he should it seems to me he's guilty of this and if a court believes the same thing well yeah he should be prosecuted I, wouldn't it be weird for for the you know the head of the executive branch well, let me let me let me back up i mean maybe i should be more clear about what he's he's saying it, it's not just him musing around the office boy if that guy did it i sure hope he gets prosecuted it's it's telling your attorney general and your justice department i would like to see this guy prosecuted well i see i i I, that's that's a difference. So and you, and you, can, well, you can just no. you, can, you can disagree about about the facts. Was was that said? Was it? I don't know. 
Um, as they say, all I know is what I read in the New York Times. Yeah, but but I mean, but see, that that's... <laughs> perception that perception is out there. Sure, and it's out there because there are a whole bunch of people on the right, the the, the conservative media the complex Times, yeah. that are that are just really interested in pushing this story, and so yeah, they're going to create. Well, don't this you think idea. that's? Don't you think that maybe if if let, let's uh, let's say it, it it is true, the the, the Times thought it was newsworthy. Um, they didn't think Hunter Biden's laptop was. Um, well, and again, if, let's, if let's, you, let's, let's you, hold on, hold on, stop right there, because the Times has done a bunch of reporting on the Biden laptop story, both before and after the, the revelation. I, I'm not, I don't think we're really in a position right, mostly, to get back after, into but this. My, my, but my, my point, point my, my, my point is, wouldn't it be, wouldn't that be one of the biggest stories of the decade, if not the century? What's that? President asks uh, Justice Department to prosecute absolutely. political rival. Absolutely, it yeah. sure would be. It sure would be. And but but again, you know, we have in fact we have you know Donald Trump leading chance of lock her up, right? So I mean, we've already seen this yes, story yes. certainly, and so. But well, but let's but let's rewind to that though. In the during those chants, and you, you can look at the video. What Donald Trump did after the crowds were saying lock her up is he quiet him down and he says, no, 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 we're not going to lock her up. We're going to beat her in the election. At least at one point. Now, and this is, and see, I mean, if I were kind of going along the same lines, you'd say, well, no, no, he's said stuff before and it's made it very clear that he's interested in prosecuting his political opponents. So what I'm suggesting is that maybe. Well, but let's look at the record. Did he? Did he what? Prosecute his political opponents. Well, he, sir. you know what? This is this is devolving into kind of a whataboutism sort of argument, and I don't know. It's very, very profitable because I, I personally just am not. I did not prepare for this, and I'm not well, going to neither just pop I, but out I'm, of my. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to explain why I am defend. Uh, why I think on this procedural ruling that the the district court uh, was was within its rights, or with with he's with at least within its jurisdiction or with within its discretion. To say we should have a special master. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you pull it back first. to that. Because... That's, that's that's what I'm trying to argue, and, and the point I'm what you're trying point I'm trying to get at is there is a lot of of there are a lot of reasons. Now you you may disagree with them, but that most of America, most uh, of America, large, most, of, most of conservative America. There you go. Let's put okay. it this way: a lot of America, perhaps fifty percent, perhaps more, uh, sees the Justice Department sees this as a a persecution. Of of their political hero. Okay, that's let, bad for let, democracy. I, I, on, on that note, let's just take a, a quick break because I have some thoughts about that. I just want to get okay. right back to that. Okay, so I guess Jay, what I wanted to what I wanted to kind of bring this back to is I I understand what you're saying, and I do not. To be clear, I do not disagree with you about the perception. Argument certainly on the right, there is that perception, and I'm not denying that at all. And so, given that, again, I agree with you that it's important, uh, given the high stakes here, that everything uh, everything be done in such a way, like you said, more Joe Friday than Roscoe P. Coltrane, certainly. And I think that's a that's a great and important and perfectly right argument. I guess where we sort of part ways is that I think that it's one thing to say, well, the government has done questionable things in the past. Certainly it has, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that we create a new set of rules 
for someone or certain judges do that to kind of adjust for that sort of thing. And that's the perception for a lot of folks on the left. So you talk about these negative perceptions on the on the right. Well, there's the same thing on the left pointing to folks like, you know, Bill Barr when he was attorney general or Judge Cannon here and say, well, look, at it seems like they're doing the same stuff that the right's accusing the government of doing. And, and so I, it seems to me that's a reasonable argument as well. And one that, you know, I so, yeah, and, and, and I, I get that. And I, I think some of that is because of media framing as, as to how they're looking at this. Again, going back to what Judge Cannon ruled on, right, was a request that, listen, I'm concerned about uh, the federal government investigating me because they have a history of, of uh, us not getting along. And because they've also missed some things that they should have screened out that they didn't. And we think it would be better uh, if we had uh, someone appointed, agreed upon by the parties. Uh, who could screen this stuff for privilege before it goes to the federal government. That's the procedural thing that we're fighting about. This isn't about, uh, right. is Donald Trump guilty? Right. The, the horrible person is is Donald Trump, uh, the second coming, and, and all those other things. This, um, it's 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 a, a narrow procedural sort of ruling. Um, my point is, I think it is, it's not a matter of the court making up new rules uh, uh, for Donald Trump. It's a matter of the court exercising its discretion in the course of an investigation when they've got someone who, who comes before them and says, listen, I think, I think there's an issue here. Um, the, the trial court, uh, she made her decision. Uh, it went to the court of appeals, court of appeals made its decision. Um, you know, there we go. But I mean, you can understand, I would expect the view on the left that, that this abuse of discretion, as the as the appeals court called it, is the the result of well the uh, so-called you know Trump uses himself right a Trump judge basically a very Trumpy Trump judge sort of bending the rules in favor of uh, Donald Trump. I mean I'm not saying that's the reality, but you can certainly understand that perception. Oh, that's that's certainly what they're they're arguing. Yeah, and I think that's shameful. Shameful? I mean, I just, bet you're making just, the same yeah, argument. Just, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. How, how am I making? You're the same making argument? the argument. Just, you're making the same argument about the FBI that this you can you can make this argument that well the it's well, yeah. reasonable to argue that the government is is corrupt and out to get Donald Trump. I don't understand why you can't at least make the perceptual argument that sure it sure does seem at least a little hinky. That a judge who was appointed by Donald Trump at the very end of his administration has ruled in such a way that even the Donald Trump judge majority appeals court say is an abuse of discretion. And so when I say, well, a reasonable person could look at that and say, well, why would she do that? Maybe she's a little beholden to Trump or a little biased. You say that's shameful? I say that the media pushing that narrative is shameful. Uh, and the reason is judges disagree. Sure. Uh, keep in mind, I said it was shameful when the right wing media went after the magistrate judge who issued the warrant. Sure. And and in my position, and this is this is you know listen where I stand on a on a whole bunch of things. Um, you one can't just attack the judiciary uh, and and impute motives without some sort of evidence. And if the evidence is only, well, she was appointed by Trump, well, that's 
to me, that's that's not good evidence because everyone's appointed by someone. Um, and, and that's so that that troubles me. This this idea that that oh, it's a Trump judge is going to rule this way. Well, you just had a situation where you had two Trump judges who ruled against him. Well, that's my point, um, right? I mean that that's my point. Is it's not just saying so. There, well, so therefore, the Trump judge, judge that must, that ruled ruled for him must be uh, 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 somehow. Well, just like yeah, how yeah. just like how every FBI agent, in fact, the vast majority of FBI agents are good and decent folks who would not break the law to get agreed. Yes. You can say that. Well, I am certain that the vast majority of federal judges are people of sterling integrity and high standards who would not do that. But certainly you would agree that there are occasional judges who do things that are not according to Hoyle. And given, I'm not saying that Judge Cannon is one of those judges, but I'm saying that given what we've seen, it's not unreasonable for someone to say, wow, this seems a little suspicious. That's all I'm saying. I'm talking about, just like you were talking about, that distinction between perception and what the reality might be. It is is not perhaps unreasonable, again, uh, given the information that they're given. Uh, I think it is erroneous, though. Gotcha. Okay, and that I, I can, yeah, I can understand that. L- let me ask you something. And, and again, my my point is, I, I my my uh, 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 Jeremy odds against the uh, the FBI uh, are based on actual evidence and actual stuff that, that's happened, sure. right? Yeah. That that is no longer in dispute. Um, the the argument against Judge Cannon is purely conjectural. That well, because yeah. Trump appointed her you know, she's going to bend the law. And again, I I don't see this as bending the law or creating new rules. It's sort of, she was asked to apply her discretion to, to an issue. Uh, She did. Um, It went to the court of appeals and the court of appeals said you erred. Right. And that's the way the situation works. Right. It's, you know, so I'm not, yeah, I, the system worked basically in the end. Yeah. So, and I can, I, you can agree or disagree with what the Court of Appeals or what Judge Cannon did, but I'm not assigning, you know, bad motives to either. Yeah, got it. And and and, not, and neither am I. But we're, I mean, we're both, I think, talking about uh, how people might perceive things in both the left and the right. And understandably, you're a little more in tune with the right's perception of things, and I'm a little more attuned with with the left, perhaps. But uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the, the special master thing, and that was one of the things this week, right? That Judge Judge Deary said is he asked Trump's lawyers, well, you know. Why haven't you provided any evidence that the former president declassified these documents? And, you know, you can't just say, well, they they were declassified. And, and, and this week, right, Donald Trump in an interview with, uh, with with Sean Hannity said uh, basically that you can just think about declassifying documents. And apparently they become <laughs> declassified. Uh, and, you know, Judge Deary's view, right, uh, you can't have your cake and eat it. You, you know, you have to come to court with some proof. And like I said to me, obviously, I know, Jay, you do not agree with Donald Trump that, well, there there can be a process, but there doesn't have to be. You you, you find that to be just wrong uh, on the facts. But I, I think there is a well, I, I think you could I think someone could make a good faith argument um, on the president being able to hold certain records under the Presidential Records Act and examine them. Uh, I think you can say, well, there's a good argument uh that you know the president can uh, has the constitutional authority to declassify records and therefore can 
sort of create the process by which they are declassified and whether or not they have to go to the formal process. I think that's that's a question you can argue about. Um, I don't think you can get it. Yeah, I don't. But I don't think you can get it just by saying I thought about I don't think you can just mentally declassify things. OK, <laughs> I would. I am. I am. I am confident on that point of the law uh, that the president cannot just uh, say, uh, or think, uh, think that they're disclassified and they're therefore to classify them. Right. Um, uh, I think there has to be some actual presidential action. Um, now again, that action could come in different forms and that's, that's the point I think I, I we could, we could argue about, right. Whether he, um, but there you know, needs does, to be mean, at some point. Yeah. And I see what you're saying, but even if does it, does it, does it mean to be the president can write on the back of an envelope, these records are declassified or yeah. does it have to go through a bureaucratic process? I, I might argue with constitutionally uh, the former. Um, but the fact is we don't even have that. Exactly. I mean, there has to be, yeah. even if you want to make the argument that, uh, and I think it would be a stretch that a president can have a standing order declassifying documents. Uh, and I think there's federal law that would point otherwise. But I think at least there would have to be a record of that standing order somewhere. And there's not even right. not even that, basically. And so right. but and, 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 and as you point out, the, yeah, there there I would say the president does have some some uh, constitutional authority to do that. But that can be limited. There are there's other statutes. Right. That that could hem in that authority. I yeah. Think. Because just because you're president doesn't mean you can do whatever you want with 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 documents, essentially. But, you know, and, uh, you know, I I think there's an important distinction here, though, because people hear this stuff, uh, you know, people, especially anyone who kind of knows the law, right, would say, well, of course, this is just ridiculous. And why is he saying ridiculous thing? I mean, that, that interview snippet with Hannity was widely, you know, shared and mocked by a lot of folks. But I think that misses a point. Because this reminds me very much of the election arguments, right, where he had Rudy Giuliani and and, and various other, you know, uh, released the crackhead sort of folks, whatever, making these crazy arguments. Uh, And in court, of course, they were just being laughed out of court. But the whole point to me, it seems like if you look at these as legal arguments, yeah, they're they're, uh, almost non-existent. But Donald Trump doesn't care, I don't think, so much about legal arguments. These are much better political arguments than legal arguments. And I think for a lot of people saying, you know, hear Donald Trump say, well, you know what, I'm the president and I can declassify military documents. Like, yeah, OK. That's, and for most people, that's where it kind of begins and ends. So I really think that while he's making ludicrous and laughable legal arguments. He's not actually even doing that, right? He's making political arguments. And I think those political arguments are actually landing with exactly the people he wants them to land with. So there's, there's the old, like, you know, legal aphorism, uh, right? That uh, the law is on your side, argue the law. If the facts are on your side, argue the facts. Uh, If neither uh, pound the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, I think that's, that's what, what it is. It's table pounding. Yeah. And it's very successful. I mean, he, I mean, the more that's the thing he's in a well, he, well not with my, but he doesn't have any choice. He yeah. What is as his other options? But he's really. But my point is, is this, this plays to a strength of Donald Trump. He's he's awesome at playing the aggrieved victim, right? I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's ever been a billionaire, or who knows if he's actually a billionaire. We'll, we'll maybe get to that. But who's been more aggrieved and been more attacked? It is just such a you know a sad just 
just gone after person, right? He's he's great at that. And the people who support him love that sort of thing. And so this actually, I would argue, just strengthens him politically, even if it hurts him legally. And my read of this whole situation, and we'll, we'll probably later in the show in a minute here, get to that New York lawsuit. I think that this is this is great for Donald Trump politically. I don't see him ever getting convicted of anything. And I just think this makes him so much stronger politically because the more things he could point to, even if it's, you know, hey, government should be going against him because he's breaking the law potentially. Well, he can just say, see, see, this is the witch hunt against me. And so it yeah. is the strategy that plays right in Donald Trump's hands, I think. Right. And 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 again, not to bring back startups, but the way to combat that is to be meticulous about the procedure. See, that's what I don't think that matters. I, I think I, I agree with you is that could hap that can help at the margins, but with the people that but it can take away it can take away the argument of, oh, this, you know, um um, it's a witch hunt. They're they're out to but get it doesn't. Me. Well, no, it doesn't. Really, but they appointed the special master for you. But well, it, yeah, they did. But it doesn't. Well, the Reagan appointee who's the special master. Yeah, well, okay. But it does. See, it, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't take away. Oh, yeah, that the true, but the true believers, the true believers are not. You're not going to pull them away. But and there I, are, I think it. I do. I think it makes a difference. There are tens of millions of those true believers, and they are people now who, like with the election denial, are people who, in, in many instances, have been voted into offices where they are going to have some sort of role in deciding, uh, you know, vote counting in uh, 2022 and possibly 2024 if they're, you know, if they're reelected in those positions. So this kind of I, I understand what you're saying to sort of reasonable people who aren't kind of, you know, off the reservation. Yeah, but we have a lot of those people who actually now are not just in the electorate, but people who are in government who are espousing these beliefs and, yeah. and the facts yeah. don't matter. So, all right. Um, so turning to our next story. Yeah. Uh, related. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, the, the, the uh, continuing persecution of Donald J. Trump. Um, <laughs> New York Attorney yeah, General uh -huh. Letitia James uh, has uh, brought a uh, civil lawsuit against Trump and the Trump Organization uh, for fraud relating to uh, property taxation and the miscalculation uh, uh, or, or intentional uh, uh, misstatement of uh, property sizes and values. Um, this is this is uh, following up on what had been sort of a, a long running investigation by the New York Attorney General's office uh, against um, uh, said Donald J. Trump. Um, so, Mike, your thoughts. And again, there's there's some crossover here um, as far as well, you know, this uh, is what happens next. Th this is this is going to sound like feel like whiplash, I imagine, to some listeners. But boy, I I have a. Bad feeling about Patricia James is out of control. Well, you know, I mean, I gotta say, this this feels kind of hinky to me. Um, I, you know, maybe it's that I'm trying to think through this because it seems to me that I have no doubt, or I have no doubt, it would not surprise me at all that Donald Trump wildly inflated valuations of stuff because that's Donald Trump. Okay, that's his whole career. But as I understand how this has worked out, that well. Uh, this is the sort of thing that would be incredibly difficult to prove in court, number one, because property valuations can be subjective. And also that none of the banks, as far as I can tell, are complaining about this. So I'm clear. I'm unclear as to the harm that's been suffered. Who's the victim? And yeah. yeah and also that. From what I understand, the financial statements in which he was applying for these loans and other things 
typically had a disclaimer saying that, oh, by the way, this is just what we're saying, and we haven't had these independently audited. So if you're Deutsche Bank or someone, and you know, you could say, well, we want an independent assessment, and they could have done that, and they didn't. And so I'm not saying that he didn't potentially break the law here. But what I'm saying and, is, and again, to be clear, this is this is a civil yeah, prosecution. Right. Yeah. And they uh, to point out that, you know, there was earlier uh, in New York State, a criminal investigation had been started, but it was ended when they thought, wow, we just don't have much here. So this to me really feels like, you know, this this is what feels to me like kind of political, uh, politically motivated prosecution of Donald Trump, because so I, a, I a politically motivated yeah. law enforcement officer. Yeah, uh, going after Donald Trump. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I again, I can believe that he may have broken Welcome the, to the law fever here. swamps, Mike. Well, you know, but I can believe that he'd broken the law here. You know, I'm trying to understand this because it seems to me that just as a matter of law, this would be incredibly difficult to prove because you have to prove intent to deceive. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't see that happening. So I don't see there being a plausibility of getting conviction. So why do you waste? Well, and, and, yeah, we should, we should be, yeah, clear. it's not, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be a conviction. It would be a, yeah, sorry, a, a rule yeah. finding a right. liability. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, g given what she wants, right. A quarter of a quarter of a billion dollars and Trump's uh, and his three kids never to be able to uh, be a director of a business in New York. This to me just smack is just, reeks of political grandstanding and i feel conflicted because he where was this mike like 10 minutes ago no because it's an entirely different <laughs> matter i'm not just you know i don't think it's right to say well everyone is against donald trump in league against him and is is wrongfully accusing him and things are going after him i think it's important to take these things on a case-by-case -case basis oh fair enough and That's this a good is point. this yes. is a very different matter than that and on this i mean i i you know, my initial inclination is if someone says to me, Donald Trump is lying about something like that, yeah, that sounds about right to me. That's Donald Trump. He lies like hell. But here I'm trying to understand how you justify using the resources, vast resources of yeah. the state in an instance where I don't see how it's possible or likely to get that result. So what's she doing? I, I, I don't know, but boy, this just feels, this just feels off to me. I got to say. So that's kind of, you know, and I'm thinking, well, what is it? Maybe it's, maybe she's, you know, you investigate someone for years and years and you get that kind of Moby Dick syndrome, right? Where you're like, oh my God, I just got to get, I can't let this person get away. I think that's a natural human inclination. Politically, I don't know. James isn't all that young. She's 63. It's not like there's an open New York Senate seat. I mean, Schumer and, and Gillibrand are pretty firmly ensconced there, right? And none of them are looking to exit. So I, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. But I, but I gotta say, this uh, if I were knowing what I know, and I, granted, uh, James knows a lot more than than I do, and the facts of this, I I would not have. I would not have done this. This feels like political grandstanding, and I am not a fan. Well, I, I think that's exactly what it is, um, and uh, I think it is just a you pick your you pick your target, and uh, yeah, you 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 try to go after them. Um, and 
uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little at a loss for words after <laughs> a conversation because I'm sort of, well, this is kind of what I'm talking about. But this is where you get that perception that there are people out there who are just out to get Donald Trump. And I think the reason she's doing it is, one, it gets her name in the paper. Uh, two, it pleases her constituents. Um, you know, there are it is it is a, you know, part of a platform, particularly of the far left of, of you know, what do we stand for? Well, we stand for prosecuting Donald Trump in any way, in any court, any time um, that we can. But, but I don't know. Um, I don't necessarily think this is about Trump per se. I mean, you can make that. If you're trying to make an argument that she's acting in good faith, you can certainly say oh, yeah, that you, well, you can certainly say that there are laws against giving false, regardless of whether or not the sure. banks are complicit in it or not, there are still laws against this sort of thing. And it's, sure. it, but, but it's, it's, it is, you mentioned, it's a question of resources. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if, the, I, if it is a, a crime that no one is complaining about. Yeah. Uh, and, and not only sort of that, yeah. but if you I would argue that if you are concerned about the influence and the power of Donald Trump, this is exactly what you wouldn't want to do. Because, you know, as Frank Luntz said this last week, he's a Republican consultant who's been around for, well, since the Reagan era, I think. He said, you know, the more Trump's attacked, the higher he climbs among Republicans. He knows how to play the victim card perfectly. And so you're just giving this to him. This is, I think, a prosecutor. This is a, sorry, not a prosecution, but an action that New York State is not going to win. I think there's a very low likelihood. And so what does this do in the end? It just gives more ammunition and helps to you know, uh, advance this argument of Donald Trump's, which is if you're concerned about Donald Trump coming back into power and doing awful things, this is exactly what you shouldn't be doing, I would say. And so I feel like it's self-defeating, which is why another reason why I'm very much against it. So on, on that, I mean, I think if you're if you're thinking in the more 3D chess or even just 2D chess, um, the other argument that you would make is if I'm a a Democrat running for office, I want Donald Trump splashed across the news all the time, 24-7, as much as possible. And this this achieves that result. Um, yeah, but I wonder so how I see I mean, what I you're saying. There's, there's, but but I wonder how much that ties to the midterms. If if you know if he were running for for president or announced candidate, if we were talking yeah. about, but I think that's even if it is a three D chess sort of argument, I think it's a pretty I think it's a pretty bad strategy. I would say. Well, it's a bad strategy. I mean, and and, and but if if you look also in this phenomenon, and I don't know whether we talked about this before earlier this summer of the the phenomenon of of uh, democratic uh, money uh, being uh, you know funneled into, pushed, firehosed into Republican primaries uh, to elect the Donald Trump candidate, right? Uh, I wouldn't say firehosed. It's not really a fire, but okay. But yes, well, there has some, been in some, some, in some yes. cases. In some cases, it was. In some cases, there were candidates who got Republican primary candidates endorsed by Donald Trump, who the vast majority of their funding came from right. uh, the Democratic Party. Uh, the the argument the the reason being that they would you know get someone who is so extreme in the primary that he would be uh, he or she would be easily beatable in the general. Um, I I can see this you know part of and then you yeah. you tie that person to Donald Trump. So this person uh, who we just spent the money to get elected uh, in the primary uh, is is a horrible opponent of democracy, and he's buddies with that that real estate crook Donald Trump. 
But more than that, I think, and in that case, you can say, well, this is a person who was an election denier who has some pretty wild. So, I mean, it, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a whole there's a whole yeah. menu of options to go with. And yeah. I mean, you're just kind of attacking real estate crook on at the end. But, yeah. You know. And, and of course, that, that, so that, that maybe is a, sells better with some people. Yeah. yeah. And that is a strategy that has, you know, that has certain uh, potential risks. Right. Because I remember that being yeah. when you and I were in the early days of the show and I was like, oh, man, we can't on the left. We can't. We're really hoping Donald Trump's the nominee because, boy, we're going to beat yeah. him like a drum. And <laughs> that did not work out very well. You know, so there is a there is a risk factor here, though it's admittedly lesser risk when you're talking about, you know, congressional seats as opposed to president of the United States, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just fewer moving parts in a congressional contest. Yeah. So. So, you know, Jay, I, I know we're, we're running a little bit long, but I was wondering if given the the magnitude of what uh, uh, Russian dictator Vladimir Putin has said this last week, I was thinking maybe we could end talking about that story today, because I, I feel like we'd be remiss oh, yeah. if we didn't talk about, you know, the greater potential for nuclear Armageddon or something like that. You know, and on a high and note. You hate, so to, you hate to miss that. Story. Yeah, I know. It really um, would be kind of, sort of the, yeah. bearing the lead. Yeah, uh, sort of thing. We, so. we, yeah, we talked about Donald Trump being prosecuted for real estate and fraud and, and missed the nuclear war. Yeah, that would um, not be good for us. So uh, as as, uh, as Mike alluded to uh, this week, uh, uh, Russian dictator Vladimir Putin uh, has uh, called up some 300,000 Russian reservists uh, to aid in his invasion of the Ukraine. Uh, he also made a speech uh, indicating that if uh, Ukraine threatened the uh, territorial sovereignty of uh, the Russian um, uh, Republic, as he calls it, um, uh, he, you know, and nothing is off the table and, uh, you know, nuclear weapons are possible. And he's not kidding. This is not a bluff. Uh, uh, consonant with that, he uh, had arranged sort of fake elections uh, in some of these Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine uh, to claim that they are, you know, now Russian territory. Uh, so this is this is something that people early in the war had speculated on, right? That if it starts going terribly badly for for Putin, because he has put uh, his entire—I uh, I, want—I don't want to say presidency, but yeah. his entire. Uh, dictatorship um, uh, on the line <laughs> yeah. here, right? Uh, and and uh, um, if he's if he's pushed into a corner, uh, you know this this might be the only way out for him, and and so forth. And you know, shouldn't we have an off ramp and all that kind of thing? Um, and and it was sort of you know dismissed as well. But yeah, but it's not really going to happen because the Russians are going to just wipe out the Ukraine in a couple weeks. Wipe out Ukraine. I apologize uh, in a couple weeks. Um, and and of course that didn't happen, and the tide has has turned, and you actually have Ukrainian advances retaking um, uh, places that the Russians had taken. So, um, Mike, I'll, I'll I'll go to you here on the um, again as two two uh, Cold War kids uh, who grew up under, under the shadows of shadow of nuclear annihilation, uh, but you can lead off. Well, I I think number one that like a, like a lot of folks, I don't think that that you know three hundred thousand whatever reservists call-up or mobilization is going to make much of a difference. You're just even more poorly trained and motivated troops to add to the already very right. poorly trained. But And so I think that's just to kind of sort of stop the stop the bleeding. And that's, of course, going to take months for those troops to come online and make any appreciable difference. So it seems to me that that's the, the lesser part of that, though that 
raises some internal concerns for Putin, though I think he can probably handle those reasonably well. Uh, to me, it seems from from everything that that I've been hearing and thinking about that, well, we're in a situation where, like you said, that this isn't the sort of situation where Putin can back off. In fact, he's doubled down on this with these elections and the whole gambit, right, of, of uh, saying that, well, we are going to have these elections and they will, of course, be, you know, great majorities to say these are now Russian territories and therefore any attack on them is an attack on Russian territory. Yep. And we will. And from from what we've been hearing, at least publicly, that the the NATO, the Western response to a, a Russian nuclear attack, and it would almost certainly be a, a, a small quote unquote small like yeah, one, tactical nuke. one yeah. kiloton kind of tactical sort of nuke and they get they give a sense kind of the biggest conventional weapons that we've seen are these called thermobaric devices or fuel air devices they're roughly like uh like uh two two-fifths of a kiloton something like that the smallest tactical nukes are around one kiloton so there's a pretty big difference but the real difference is in an explosive uh, ability. The real difference is in that crossing that line that hasn't been crossed since, of course, the U.S. dropped those two nukes on, on Japan. And it seems to me that what we've been hearing is the Western response is, well, hey, if you do this, uh, there are going to be sanctions. Um, and, well, <laughs> you know, I said, <laughs> okay. Um, no more, yeah, no more McDonald's yeah. for you. Yes. It seems pretty clear that, that obviously we do not want to get into nuclear escalation. And so the way I see this, and I think, I think the way probably Putin sees this is he would prefer to not use a nuclear weapon uh, for obvious reasons because there, there will be consequences and it will estrange him more from his key allies, right? Uh, particularly China. Well, you lose the Chinese yeah. at that point. Yeah. But, but I think that if it's a question of that or losing the war, I think I know which way is going to come down. And again, assuming that what we've been hearing publicly is some sort of a reasonable uh, approximation of how the West would respond, how the U.S. would respond. If I'm Putin, I say, well, push comes to shove, then, yeah, I will go ahead and launch a tech tactical nuke against some Ukrainian position and arms depot and probably not a city at first and just hope that that will that will get the Ukrainians to basically come to the negotiating table and say okay you can have these four regions because you know because the west is not going to respond with force to a nuclear attack or at least a limited nuclear attack that to me is what i'm hearing and i get that but i think that's that's been the problem from the beginning in this game of chicken uh it's clear to me that Vladimir Putin has a lot more to lose and he is not going to be the first one to blink. That's why I think that what we're going to see at some point in 2023 is either kind of a recognition that the, by Ukraine, that these four territories here on that, on that Eastern edge of Ukraine are de facto Russian territories granted with a lot of fighting within those territories, or there is going to be a, a, a nuclear launch, a strategic attack, uh, sorry, tactical nuclear launch by Russia. I expect one of those two things to happen. Wow. All right. That's a big, that's a big prediction. Yeah, um, I noticed. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more, I, I, I guess, optimistic. Uh, I, Good. I think <laughs> I um, uh, Putin is, uh, is evil, craven and all that, but I don't think he's nuts. Um, and I, I think that 
the fallout, the, the making Russia uh, such the international pariah that it would be if it wants to first strike nuclear weapons um, is, is something that um, he, he does not want. And I think he realizes he can say, well, geez, I won the war. But I think even then, um, taking that action, I think, could it could uh, threaten his internal stability. See, yeah, right? I, um, I just and I mean, there's already there's there's protests that are, are you know, as increasing throughout Russia with the call up. Um, I think there is uh, somebody who is probably uh, not necessarily a nice guy or anything, but equally uh, calculating, who um, may be waiting in the wings. Right. Uh, you know, there have there, been a lot of um, um, in the last couple of weeks, uh, Putin allies uh, who who. To just tend to stumble off balconies and um uh, yeah uh, having all kinds of accidents um falling uh, down multiple it, flights of stairs with injuries exactly yeah it's it's money. just been yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um it's it's been that kind of week uh for for putin uh, allies so i i think um uh he is perhaps sensing some internal pressure um and uh which which could account for some of these accidents um uh, that his his uh, former buddies are having um, so I, I think that would, that would just really exacerbate it if, if he wants nuclear weapon and the, um, you would even have, again, the, the, the Chinese, I think would have to step aside and say, well, yeah, you know, we're, but see that, um, I, I agree, but I, I, think I suppose that the, the North Koreans would still be with you, right? Yeah. You still have, <laughs> but, but I think the Chinese I'm, I'm, thing I'm, would I'm be, assume the Iranians, but I, I think the Chinese thing would be temporary. I think if they, yeah, you know, that they would. I think they would certainly say that you know would be against that sort of thing. But but I think Putin it would gamble to say, well, you know what, uh, wait a year or so, and we can wait this out. And they're actually, uh, you know, they're in kind of a weird position because they like to see the West weekend as well. And so this is there's no better there's no better uh, balm for sort of internal difficulties than winning a war and this, this yeah. might do it. And so I think this is going to be a calculated risk he's taking, but given the amount of control he has over this country, like, like no Soviet union leader ever had, I mean, you have to go back to the czars to find somebody who's had this kind of one well, person. Stalin, Stalin had a good deal of control, but, but even Stalin had other folks who were kind of up in there. And so I think, yeah. I think, you know, so so now I hope you're right, certainly about this. But I think uh, in in 2023, I think it's going to take a little while because he's going to wait and sort of see. Might even come before that, but I expect probably not. But sometime in the near future, within the next six months, we're either going to see this sort of de facto recognition that yes, these four provinces are for better or worse Russian territory, and there's going to be guerrilla fighting and all that there. You know, like in well, no, I think I think I think that could happen. Right. I think there's a possibility that the West um, could start, you know, giving hints and offering that sort of off ramp. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, where where, you know, there, you know, a, a an avenue to negotiation that, you know, Putin gets to keep these couple territories and so forth. And uh, we have a ceasefire there. Now, can the Ukrainians agree to that? Yes and no. They would say no. But of course, if we're providing all the weapons to, to fight the war. Um, and that, that's uh, we, we right get to call the tune. And, yeah. and that's and that's the point of uh, a nuclear strike is all of a sudden we we say, well, my gosh, we don't want to escalate this anymore. And clearly he's willing to do this. And so therefore we are going to back off on our support unless you 
come to the negotiating table and for the good of the world, basically, yeah. to give up the eastern part of your country so that there's not a nuclear war. And I think that's... Yeah, I, see it, I, see it the, I see it the other way around a little bit. I, I mean, I think he has more leverage for negotiation before a nuclear strike than after. I think once you've once you've once you've dropped the bomb, there's there's nothing left to do. Well, I, I think, and I think that would tend to just galvanize the West uh, and the rest of the world uh, against him, and and potentially against China. I hope you're right. I think it might be the right. Other the way Chinese around. were like, "Hey, we're, we've been thinking about invading uh, somebody, um, uh, and you know, <laughs> we, we don't want uh, we don't want everybody to get all anti-invasion now." Yeah. Well, um, so. I, I think that's a plausible scenario and it's certainly a more optimistic scenario than the one i have yeah that the one i'm envisioning and so i hope that's i hope that's correct but i don't i don't feel that that's how it's going to play out i and but again i didn't feel like we would see the amount of support and the sort of situation we have in ukraine now which is you know very positive from uh, all things considered right so uh, i i was wrong about that almost everyone was wrong about that but i think in the face of a of a nuclear uh, a limited nuclear strike even if it's just a nuclear launch over an unoccupied area i think that the west is just going to say whoa wait a second and just back off because no one wants to be the person who instigated or kind of egged on in any way uh, a, a war that could kill you know hundreds of millions of people and so that's where I think that's how I think it's going to go. Uh, but again, let's let's just all hope that you're right on this one, as I know you yep. <laughs> like to say a lot of things. But All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for us for this episode. We went a little bit long here, though. I should point out that before we do go, uh, uh, you know, I. If you're a regular listener, you know already what a big fan I am of When the People Decide, the podcast that takes a deep dive into citizen initiatives, uh, democracy at its purest or at its worst, uh, depending on how you see things, I would guess. But every one of the 10 episodes from this season, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely worth my time. And that's exactly what I would expect from Jenna and everyone else there at the McCourtney Institute for Democracy. They're the ones who are behind when the people decide, you know, I was going to say, don't take my word for it, but you know, do take my word for it. But kind of going back to cold war stuff, Jay, trust, but verify. So, you know, yes. yeah, check out when the people decide and you will see that I am absolutely right here. I am confident. And you can find when the people decide on whatever app you use to listen to politics guys. You can also go to democracygroup.org slash shows. And that will take you not only to when the people decide, but all the other most excellent podcasts in the democracy group network. All right. So I said that does it for us for this week. And if you're not already a supporter of the Politics Guides, we hope you will consider becoming one because, hey, if you're a supporter in a few days, you will be getting our midweek show. Jay and I are going to be getting ready to record that in just a bit. We have all kinds of interesting. It's going to be really good. It's going to be spectacular. You know, we're going to be talking about a lot of interesting stuff as we always do. Uh, but, you know, and without our supporters, we just couldn't keep the show going. Uh, and you get ad-free versions of everything we put out as well as that midweek show, other stuff as well. And so to check it all out, just go to patreon.com slash politics guys. And if you want to support us on Venmo or at politics guys, you can also support the show through PayPal and all the support links are on the show notes as well as at politics guys.com slash support. 
And we always want to make sure that if you want all of our content, but you're not in a position to financially support the show, that that's not a barrier. So if that's you, just send me an email, Mike at politicsguys.com, and I will get it set up so that you can get that midweek uh, bonus show. And whether you're a supporter or not, we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, review us on whatever podcast app you use, as well as to share episodes on social media. And finally, a special thanks to our most excellent, our wonderful executive producers, Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode for you next week. We hope you join us.